Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you feel valued? You know, we hear a lot these days about people not feeling valued. I think many of you know that uh, I do Finders consultations, and one of the things that Gallup Corporation has discovered through all of their research is the fact that many people who are working for companies, businesses, and organizations don't have any loyalty to their company, their business, their organization, because they don't feel valued. People, for example, who find that they've been displaced from their jobs because of uh, advances in technology don't feel valued. A lot of times people who have become elderly and as a result of, of age and injury and illness and the fact that they just don't have the same capabilities as they used to and maybe are not asked to do as much as they used to may at times not feel valued. When people are, are, are striving to accomplish things and they actually achieve their goals but others don't recognize uh, what they've done or maybe others take credit for what has been accomplished, people feel devalued. When young people, for example, have things that are important to them and they're left out of these things, they may not feel valued. I, I think there are times where we would all say we don't value ourselves because of maybe guilt that we feel over things that we've done that are wrong, failures that we've experienced. And sadly, there are times where we may look at each other and we don't highly value one another. Today, as we consider our gospel reading for from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 34, one of the things that we see very clearly is Jesus highly values people, his people and other people. Let's take a look at this gospel reading. We're told the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, I don't know if you picked up the connection between the Old Testament reading and this gospel reading, but it's the idea of passing things along to the next generation. In the Old Testament reading, we had the Lord telling Moses to appoint a successor, and that successor would be Joshua. As we pick up on our gospel reading this morning, we, we come to a point of where Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples, and he told them to go out and to preach the good news and, and, and to perform miracles in God's name. We don't know how long they've been away, whether it was a week or two weeks or a whole month, but when they, come, they have come back, they have all kinds of things to tell Jesus. There are, there are reports of, of messages that have been well-received, of miracles that the Lord enabled the, the disciples to do, uh, of people who just warmly welcomed them into their communities and their homes. But at the same time, there were messages of 
or, uh, of reports of messages refused, of, of doors that were not open, of people who perhaps rejected the disciples. There were messages also of failure. And what does Jesus do? He listens to them. Now, I don't know, you do the math, if they, those disciples were gone for a, a couple of weeks, just think of 14 days times 12, and you think of all the things that they have to report. Those of you who are parents, you know that maybe when you, you've gone away for a couple of days and grandma or grandpa have stayed with the kids, or maybe it's the aunt or the uncle or the close friends, and you come back, there are all kinds of things that your kids want to tell you. And, and they're very passionate about these things, and you better stop and listen because that's really, really important. Well, just imagine with Jesus hearing all these things, these successes, these failures, the, 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 the wonders that the disciples had experienced. And what does he do? He takes the time to listen to them. And as he does so, he shows his disciples how highly he values them. But there's something else that Jesus does that shows how important his disciples are to, to him. You know, even in those times after they've come back, things have been really, really busy. It seems that Jesus and his disciples have not had time to, to take a break, to, to have lunch. It seems like they're working overtime. And the Lord picks up on the condition of his disciples, and he says, let's, let's go away, and let's, let's get some rest, and let's eat. Jesus understands how important it is that not only he looks after the spiritual and the emotional side of his disciples, but he also looks after the physical side. And it's a reminder to us that, that while the most important thing really is the treasure that we have in our relationship with God, the faith that the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts, and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life that we enjoy, and the peace that is ours through knowing Jesus through faith, the Lord also wants to be, us to be good stewards of our, our, our physical well-being and eat well and, and make sure that we're getting proper rest and exercise and that, that we're just taking good care of ourselves, being stewards of our bodies and our life, our health. And so Jesus says, let's go away to another place. And again, he shows how highly he values those disciples. Now, what does this tell us about Jesus and how he values us? Was this a, a thing that was just for those 12 disciples where Jesus has such high value upon them, and, and that was their lucky day, and we who are two millennia later who are his disciples are plumb out of luck? No way. Just think of the words of uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our Lord loves us with a, a faithful and everlasting love. Our Lord is concerned about us, and he cares about, first of all, our, our spiritual and our eternal welfare, but he also cares about our daily well-being and our physical health. He highly values us. But as I pointed out at the beginning of our message today, sometimes we may not value ourselves. Sometimes we may devalue one another. And that's our sinful nature that's acting up. And sometimes we may look at the Lord and we may feel that he doesn't really value us the way we would like him to. Have you ever found yourself in those times where 
You're, you're striving out of your, your faith and your love in the Lord because he loves you and, and has blessed you in so many ways to walk in his ways and to do his will and to serve him and to worship him and, and you're striving to live your days to his glory. And all of a sudden, there's just this wave of stuff that comes your way and it's hard and it's hurtful. And, and, and it seems that no matter how often you pray and how much you trust, it seems like things are not happening and after a while, you begin to wonder does God really value me? Does he care about me? There may be those times where you just get to the point of where you, you feel that things are so overwhelming and you think, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm just failing. I'm falling flat on my face. God, where are you? Don't you care about me? And what's happening? Well, it's our sinful nature that's rising up and it's, it's trying to choke off that, that air of God's love and faithfulness that, that comes to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the sidelines of life, there are the devil and the demons that, that, that are, are, are yelling out to the sinful nature, choke them. And they're yelling out doubt. They're tempting us to doubt. And they're, they're trying to get us to let go of God and his promises and to let go of Jesus, our Savior, and to just go into the depths of hopelessness, the depths of despair. And of course, they know that if they can choke off that faith, if the sinful nature can win out, we end up losing our faith and we end up losing our eternal life the glory that awaits us because Jesus Christ is our Savior who has lived, died, and risen again for us. And so what do we do? Well, first of all, we need to remember how dangerous it is when we let our sinful nature get the best of us and the devil and the demons to dabble with us the way they want to. We have to remember what's at stake. It's our faith. It's our eternal destiny. Then let's go back and let's think of Jesus and how he deals with his disciples and, and, and how he loves them and listens to them and how he cares for them. And remember, probably in the messages that he heard were not only the messages of success, but there were the times of failure. And what did Jesus do? He didn't fire the disciples. He didn't fry them. No, he forgave them. He kept them. He encouraged them. He loved them. He valued them. Because he looked at, as he looked at them, he knew that he was doing for them what his law says that they should do for him. He was loving God, his Father, perfectly. He was loving others as he loved himself. He was, he was valuing them according to the, the, the dictates of God's law. And he knew that it wouldn't be that long, that far down the road of life, that he would give himself for their sins and our sins on a cross, on a place called Calvary, for them and for all. And it's important that we remember all those messages of God's love, that, that this is how God demonstrates his love for us. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's important that we remember that, that message of God's love back there and then, which is the same Lord who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who loves us too. 
It's important that we go to the Lord and we pray and we, we share our, our, our cares with him, trusting that he does hear and answer us. And if he doesn't answer as quickly as we would like him to, which sometimes he doesn't, because he's going he's gonna to teach things to us and he's going to take us places we wouldn't go and maybe put us in touch with people whom we otherwise would not meet and with whom we wouldn't interact but through it all, the Lord is with us, and when the time is right, the Lord will deliver us. Remember how the Lord, the Lord highly values people, his people, but at the same time, other people. Now, I talked before about Jesus wanting to get away with his disciples for some R&R. They did. They were up in the northwestern part of the, the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Gennesaret, however you want to talk about it, and they got into a boat and they began to cross that little part of the, the lake, the sea, going to the northeast corner. But as they left, there were the crowds that saw them, and Jesus is very popular at this point. Excuse me. So the crowds began to run around the north side of the lake. Now, according to Mark's gospel, the way the NIV has it, it sounds like the crowds got there ahead of Jesus. And, and, and the, the verb that's used in the Greek can mean to get ahead of, but the, the gospel of Mark makes it seem like they were there already when Jesus and his disciples got there. But when you look at John's version of this same account, Jesus and his disciples were at their destination and then the crowds come and probably what happened was for a time the crowd got ahead of Jesus as they're running around the top but because the disciples don't have as far to go they get there before the crowd does. At any rate when Jesus sees these people and he sees their condition that was the end of the R&R because Jesus had compassion on them because they were as sheep who had no shepherd. Now, there are probably those here today who know a whole lot more about sheep than I do. Uh, I, I shepherd in a different way than, you know, the shepherds who shepherd the actual sheep. But I think we understand some things about sheep. Sheep are kind of stupid. Sheep, if they're left to themselves, may wander off, get lost. Uh, sheep don't protect themselves, and therefore they're vulnerable to predators. Sheep don't always get the sense of where they should graze, and if uh, maybe a grazing area is all grazed up, that uh, it's time to move, and they don't know where to go. So they need to have someone that guides them, someone that protects them, someone that provides for them. When it came to these people with whom Jesus was interacting, it, it seems that these are, these are not his people now. These are not people who, by God's grace, have come to know Jesus by faith. They have been led astray by the teachers of their day who were just loading all kinds of regulations on them and who were burdening them. Think of how when we're told in, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says to, come, to, to people, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. These were, these were figurative sheep who were just being loaded down by all kinds of requirements and things that God never stipulated. But the teachers of the Jews had laid on them, and as a result, they felt like they were helpless and they were hopeless. 
And so Jesus, in his love and his compassion, teaches these people. He teaches them many things. Now, we're not told exactly all the things that he taught them, but you can be sure that, that he, the, the Lord of, of his very own word, the word himself, taught them about their need for a Savior because of their sin. He showed them how they didn't have a hope of saving themselves, just like we don't either, because of the sin with which we're born and, and the sin that, that is in our life every day. Try as we may to live for the Lord in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. There's always something that's amiss. And Jesus probably emphasized this to these people, that they couldn't save themselves, but he pointed to himself as the Son of Man who had come to be their Savior who would do everything that the law required of them in their behalf and would take their sins upon himself and would go and die on the cross. Did they understand everything? Did they get everything? No, but they probably got the fact that there was forgiveness and there was love in Jesus and the Holy Spirit worked in the hearts of many people through this message that Christ was bringing to them. And it just shows how highly Jesus values the other people. And that challenges us to ask ourselves, do we? Do we value people who are not of the family of God? Do we value the, the millions and the billions of people out in the world who have not heard the message of Christ and know that, that, that they don't have to, to work their way into heaven, which they cannot do? Or, or do we kind of kick back and just say, well, you know, um, not my problem. There's, when our Lord tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. When our Lord tells us, make disciples of all people, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus says to us very clearly, I care about other people. I highly value other people and I want you to do so also. And when we don't, when we sit back and say, well, we got enough, we got enough stuff to do here at St. Paul's, enough families to take care of. You know, we're a community of a couple thousand people, and, and you know, we got a lot on our plate. Or when we just look at our little, little uh, sphere here in the celestial plains of Minnesota, and we say, well, that's a big enough uh, area to, to work with the gospel and so on. And we forget about that part that the Lord says go into all the world. And I realize that we can't all go out into all the world, but there is that, that thing that we call missions, where we can send people and support them with our prayers and support them with our offerings and let them take the gospel of Jesus Christ to places that we can't go. Or, or there's the technology nowadays that, that we can support that can take the Word of God to, to places that, humanly speaking, we Christians can't go because governments forbid it or maybe circumstances hinder it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's remember how highly Jesus values us and other people. Not only did he give up his R&R &R back in this Matthew 6 account, we know that later on, according to the Gospel of Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, he gave up himself for us so that we could be his for time and eternity, so that others could be his for time and eternity. 
Therefore, pray for people. Even though you don't know them, pray for people who do not know Jesus. But when it comes to people uh, whom you know who don't know Jesus, pray for them too. And look for the openings to, to share that message of, of how Jesus highly values them as he has highly valued you. Talk about what Jesus means to you and what he's done for you and what he's done for them so that it gives the Holy Spirit that opportunity to work in their hearts and to help people to know how highly valued they are in the mind and in the life of the Lord our God who has lived, died, risen again, and now lives and rules forever. Because as we clearly see in this section of God's word, Jesus highly values people, his people, other people. And in a sense, he's saying to you and to me, do the same. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.